Hello, everybody. Dave Neal here, stand-up comic host of Bachelor Nation News. On this Cinco de Mayo, May 5th, 2023, all your entertainment news right now on Bachelor Rush Hour. Alrighty then. Hope everyone had a fantastic work week. Thanks to you guys, you made this the most profitable week ever for Bachelor Rush Hour. Your loyalty does not go unnoticed. And with that, we've got a special interview today I'll be airing exclusively for you guys right now. That is my chat with Kelly Chase from season one of Love is Blind. We talk about uh, her time on the reality TV show and um, actually talked a lot about sleep deprivation. Turns out they uh, didn't get much sleep. And it's a conversation we've been discussing Lately here on the show, the idea of mental health after reality TV shows and whatnot. So very happy that Kelly could join us for that conversation. Uh, but first, we've got Clayton Eckerd revealing who from Zach Shall Cross's season he may be talking to. This is big news here. Big news here for the uh, the world as we see it in the Bachelor community. It's been a slow week, and you know when it's a slow week, we have to report on Clayton Eckerd. Here's who he says he's talking to from Zach's season. Want to... Just just throw out a name of who you potentially were interested in. Do you want to throw it out there? <sighs> Tell us, Clayton. Um, Dead oh, air. Man, should I? You should. You don't have to. I was just messing with you. Do I mean, it. If you want to, uh, go for it. If you want to, go for it. Um, you know, gonna... uh, oh, I'll, boy. Just, I'll just... I feel a little dangerous. I mean, it's not oh. like I'm, I'm, ta- I'm talking to this person, like, so, but we're not dating or anything yet, so we'll, we'll, oh uh, we'll see where God. that heads, but... Um, you know what, uh, from all things that I can see on social media and from what I saw on TV, uh, I think her name was, uh, Jess, Jess was, was pretty cute. Yeah. Uh, pretty okay. cute girl. Like- all right. So he says Jess was pretty cute and he's been talking to her. So good to know Clayton Eckerd shooting a shot, keeping it within the alumni family here of bachelor nation. And in other news, Game of Roses, the hit podcast in front of the community, Game of Roses, reveals AI, artificial intelligence, is being used to alter, to debate, to, to create conversation from uh, popular voices we already know. So here they are, and they've created a Nick Vial uh, convo, which of course, this is not real. Nick didn't actually say this, but it just goes to show what might be happening for reality TV in the future is not just sound Frankenstein biting, where they take words from your mouth and splice them together but just recreating uh sentences all together so we are uh we're on the the threshold of everything changing drastically and this is definitely going to affect reality television specifically bachelor specifically love is blind perfect match all these shows that we're watching you're not going to be able to trust anything you see or hear and producers are definitely going to be using these tactics to put new pieces of video in their shows that don't exist to get people to say things that they don't say forget frank inviting exactly you'll be able to type in what you want them to say and they'll say it yeah so you don't have to take my word for it though mm-hmm. we've got a very special guest here to give you their thoughts on something and this is in my opinion proof um that ai is going to drastically affect everything moving forward. So please welcome our very special guest. I'm going to let him take it away now. Please enjoy. Hi, everybody. It's me, the great one. I just wanted to thank Game of Roses, my favorite micro show, for having me on today. Now, uh, last week, I said some really crazy stuff about reality, TV stars being entitled, and about Nick Thompson and Jeremy Hartwell being talentless. Uh And I also said I don't believe anyone has ever been mistreated by reality TV producers. Well, I just wanted to say that I was high 
on a bunch of drugs when I said that, and I didn't mean any of it. My bad. Uh, so to make amends, I'm going to be donating a million dollars to the You Can Foundation. So get off my back and keep listening to my podcast. Oh, and uh, buy my book. I give the best advice. Praise be the pit. Deuces. Okay, so that was not Nick Vial, in case anyone was wondering. That was an uh, artificial intelligent rendering. Hey, they got it down about 85%. You know, they got to clean it up digitally a little bit, but uh, pretty scary stuff out there. They're going to have to come up with some laws against this. As we know, Tom Brady just sued somebody for using his AI to create a fake stand-up special by Tom Brady. We know people are using f- artificial intelligence to make it look like Joe Rogan is endorsing their products. It is a wild unregulated world out there. Uh, But you know what is regulated? The use of marijuana these days. And today's Bachelor Rush Hour podcast is sponsored by Microdose Gummies, an incredible entry-level dose of THC that helps you feel just the right amount of good. Microdosing curbs my anxiety and keeps my creative mind feeling relaxed all day long. That's right. This afternoon, guys, I will be having a microdose sativa. See, they come in different kinds. You can get hybrid, sativa, uh, indica. You know, indica for me is what I like at the end of the night when it's uh, you know popcorn time watching Netflix ready to melt into the pillow uh, so different options for different uh, moods really the last thing I need is a poor night's sleep not on my watch and I'm not going to get that with microdose gummies let me tell you microdose is available nationwide and to learn more about microdosing THC go to microdose.com and use code rush hour to get free shipping and 30% off your first order links can be found in the show description but again that's microdose.com code rush hour all right without further ado let's get to the interview of the hour and i'm gonna have this tomorrow available on youtube form but right now exclusively for our bachelor rush hour podcast here is my chat with kelly chase ladies and gentlemen i'm so excited today to talk to kelly chase she's a self-love coach how are you kelly Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. I um, I saw one of your recent posts that was talking a lot about your experiences from season one of Love is Blind and where you are today. So I just wanted to, uh, I, I reached out to you because I wanted to chat with you about uh, mental health and, um, and how things are going post of reality TV life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, post reality life. It's been interesting. I mean, the so many amazing opportunities have come from it. I mean, it's plugged me to a lot of amazing people like yourself, um, just fabulous connections and, you know, that have grown me personally and professionally as well. And just having new friends in my pocket has been really cool. Um, and not to mention the the platform that it gave me to really create the impact and influence that I think a lot of us humans long to create in this life. You know, we have that one 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 life here on earth. So it's been neat in that regard. I mean, of course, there's been some set, like not necessarily setbacks, but, you know, us humans, we get in our heads sometimes. So it has felt like some challenging times. Um, yeah, every day I'm in my head and I wasn't on reality yeah. TV. So I can't imagine. <laughs> you filmed season one of Love is Blind in 2018. You said no to Kenny at the altar, but as it was revealed afterwards, you both had agreed you weren't going to get married. What kind of backlash did you face basically going on an unknown reality show and then it became kind of a cultural sensation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, to the world, um, you know, the show was aired and I said no at the altar. So the backlash was everyone was team Kenny and Kelly up until the wedding day. And then it was like, (gasps) 
like, you just broke his heart. Like, you're going to die alone. You know, I had a lot of hateful messages and comments coming through. And, you know, um, that was that that was not the fun part about um, having such a having grown such a large platform and being seen so internationally. I was not appreciated by a lot of people for what I did, you know, like, oh, you couldn't have told him no at the, you know, before you got down the aisle. <laughs> so I'm like, hello, guys, I'm not an evil person. If I could have, I would have. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people never understood how it worked because we have to remember, because I, of course, come from the bachelor world where everyone's like, how could you get engaged in only two weeks? You go, well, it's just not real life. It's a different set of circumstances. So you guys, yeah. you, you and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you pursue the relationship with a as much energy as you can. And then at the altar, then you're given this predicament. Are, it, does that make it harder to have a relationship post altar if you say no to marriage, but want to say yes to dating? I would say yes and no. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, for my situation, I mean, I feel like, unfortunately, I was a little misled because I the conversations that were had was that yes, Kenny and I were not going to get married. We were, we agreed on that. Like it was not the, once we got in it, it was not the scenario that we wanted as you know, a wedding. Like, you know, my mom wasn't even there for me to try on dresses. Like there was, there were so many things that I had particulars that I, that I really are non-negotiable, like what I wanted in my wedding marriage experience. And I think the same for him. And so we agreed that we were not going to get married. Um, and, but we did com- talk about dating afterwards. And at the time, I wasn't so respectful um, in the sense of like, because I felt really rejected. I mean, it was the day after filming, he tells me, or the last day of filming, and he was just like, you know, I have to get back to normal life. And I think we both need to get back to like our normal routines. And, you know, this whole thing was a lot for the both of us. And, you know, he's his his quote was more or less, you know, like, I'm put, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm done with production. And unfortunately, you're a part of production. That was literally a line that I will never forget in my head. Um, do you, and I was just do you like, agree with what? that? In in hindsight, does that do you agree with that? Or would, were you w- willing to try to separate what you had f- started from the show? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I was able to compartmentalize my experience with the show and production and my feelings for Kenny because I did grow feelings for Kenny. I was definitely into him. I wanted to try to explore a relationship or, you know, continue to try to date afterwards, but it just, he ended it. Yeah, you know, that was that. There's so much nuance to falling in love and all the little things that make a spark become a full-fledged relationship that TV shows can only try their best to try to replicate that. But in a lot of ways, the way they are replicating it, it's just not reality. They're creating fantasy worlds. So, I mean, uh, what, how, how, how quickly after, you know, after that conversation, was it over or did you guys give it any sort of shot? No, it was over that minute. And was, was that, done. do you think that yeah. was a better, do you think, was that enough closure for you to move on or, or was there any other, you know, were you able to move on quickly from that? No, no, <laughs> no, no, there wasn't. Um, Cause like I said, it, it was just a very big shock for me when he said it. And the conversation was had within a 15 minute time frame between my last interview with filming and his last interview with filming and, you know, we were talking about my interview and then literally, I, it was probably the last like few minutes before he had to get 
like go inside to film his like last interview when he dropped that ball on me. So, so after he drops this ball on you, you, you start a journey. Now you call you're, you're a self-love coach. Did this come about from this mm-hmm. heartbreak that was seen on the show or was it already a process you were starting? In 2000, the end of 2017. So a year before the show, before we filmed the show, I pers- started out on this holy personal development journey, spiritual awakening and all that. And um, it, but it went a lot more in depth after the show because I was actually, I started working like one-on-one with mindset coaches and relationship coaches of my own. And I was identifying like basically my own limiting beliefs and, uh, wounds from past relationships and traumatic experiences that were keeping me more in like the cyclical behavioral patterns of how I acted in romantic relationships. So I was uh, able to understand why I showed up the way that I did in relationships or why I bypassed red flags in relationships, why I was such a people pleaser, things like that. So that like understanding my mindset and like my own human behavior allowed me to dive in even deeper into this. Yeah. You, um, That's where I'm at today. <laughs> no, it's so great. I, you, when you talk about being a people pleaser, that kind of feeds into the idea of not wanting to be rejected. It's like, what can I do to keep you from rejecting me? So then, I, and again, I've just scoured your Instagram because I really enjoy the topics that you bring up. I feel like a lot of people aren't doing this. You know, you're just really using themselves as like a case study. But you talk about self-abandonment being self-abuse. Could you um, elaborate on that idea of self-abandonment and how did you catch yourself feeling like you had abandoned yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So a, I I mean, I think what kind of stemmed it all was a relationship that did not work out 10 years ago. Um, I really lost myself in that relationship. Again, a lot of people pleasing was coming up like whatever he wanted to do, I was doing it. We hung out with his friends over mine. You know, there was just a lot of things that I wasn't aware of while I was in it. So I felt like I was losing myself. And then because I was so heartbroken from that, I spiraled into this like extreme dieting and obsessive working out and just became even more of a workaholic. And so I was like avoiding the healing versus actually paying attention to it and and grieving and healing my shit basically. Um, So for years after that breakup, I continued to kind of do the same thing. I was dating very recklessly. Um, you know, again, just continuing to like lose myself and, oh, this guy likes me or I think he likes me. Oh, like maybe I was just a little too quick to sleep with him or something like that, you know, too. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I think just like a culmination of the, uh, things that I was doing to feel loved and accepted and wanted by someone, um, I was abandoning myself. And therefore, when I say, when I use expressions of abuse, that's really what I was doing. I was abusing my body. I was abusing all parts of me. Um, and I think that when we do that, we really are rejecting the self. So we are abandoning ourselves. And spiritually, I think, you know, like God, everything is kind of cultivated within us too. And when we're not tuning into the love within and we're all constantly seeking that external validation, we're not, we're actually not spiritually connected at all. 
Yeah, so. I, I'm so I'm so on on the same page with you when it comes to like that fire within and that yeah. sort of like like trying to get yourself to the higher frequency of love, and it really comes down to like a law of attraction where if you're not burning at the highest frequency of love and energy and positivity, then you're not going to attract somebody who is. So it's almost like you want to you want to ramp up your stock so much so that when it comes time uh, to 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 meet somebody or when someone's presented to you, they can't help but want to be a part of the company that you've got. And you talk a lot about, um, uh, yeah. uh, you, you use the word dis-ease and disease, the idea that unhealed trauma creates mm. dis-ease. Um, so how, d- how did you come to those realizations that you were actually making yourself physically sick um, along with emotionally? Yeah, yeah. Um, a few years ago, I mean, I, I definitely have worked with a handful of um, specialists and practitioners from mindset coaching to relationship coaching. Um, I've done some like deep inner like breath work too, um, which I never really understood what that was until obviously I did my first had my first experience with breath work, and basically uh, most of the time, you know, if I were to be like, "How are you?" you would say, "Oh, I'm fine," but really there's probably some things going on personally. You're really not fine. Like no one is just fine. Right. So most of the time we respond with our, with our, with our brain. Um, and that's how we respond to a lot of things. We show up in the way that we think we should be showing up or how we're supposed to be showing up where deep down inside, we're actually like, just, you know, maybe we're grieving the anything, you know, or we're extremely burnt out, you know, because of a job or a relationship, a toxic relationship, whatever that case may be. So breathwork was one of the stronger modalities that I've used. So breathwork actually takes you out of your head and into your body, which is where we store, you know, they always say like your gut is your second brain. It's actually the other way around. Your gut is actually your first brain. It's where you store all of that emotional shit. Um, so if you are not not necessarily only doing breath work, but if you're not actually sitting with those emotions, let's say something happens and it's, it's sad, it's tragic, something like that. And you just next day, you just go about your life and you really don't sit there and actually go through the process of all the emotions that come up for you, whether it's sadness, confusion, disappointment, anger, you're just taking those emotions and you're stuffing them inside. And that is creating dis-ease in the body, which then can over time, transfer into disease that could look like an autoimmune disease that could look like, you know, breast cancer or whatever the case may be, you know, it just will become that. So over time of like learning this information and I'm not, I have a lot of gut issues. Um, and I realize that some of my stuff, although I've, I've worked with a handful of specialists, I think, you know, maybe we really haven't focused on a particular trauma that happened to me years ago. So I think that that is just associated, but things that I have been able to uh, heal or process, I guess, or feel lighter about at least, um, it's just those various modalities that I've done. I mean, I sit with myself, I journal, I meditate, I do affirmations, I create those positive thought streams and just cycle them through my daily life, you know, and I'm doing all these things create, uh, creates more awareness in oneself. And therefore with that awareness, awareness is the key to change. So if you recognize you're talking negatively to yourself or about yourself, if you have that awareness, you can be like, okay, stop that Kelly. Like, what is that? (laughs) You know? So it's just having, it just is building that like mental muscle over time. Um, in addition to like, just like I said, it's about dropping into the body and actually feeling those emotions, as they are and processing them. And it's not like 
shaming or guilting those emotions, being like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Like, why am I feeling this way? A lot of girls do that. Like, oh, you know, something happened. And a lot of girls in particular, they're just like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Like, it's silly for me. I'm so embarrassed. But it's like, well, feel the way. Like, acknowledge the part of you that feels a certain way. Because if you're not acknowledging it, you're just stuffing it down and you're shunning it. And you're actually, that's kind of like that big picture of like abandoning yourself. So it's better to recognize. And I always, not to like go on a tangent here, but like, I always think about like, the adult you and like the little version of you. So that little version of you is feeling sad. She's feeling, she or here, you know, you're feeling sad, you're feeling frustrated, all these things. But it's almost like the adult version, if you're not paying attention to it, it's you're basically being like, okay, little girl, like, go away. So you're not really acknowledging those emotions. And again, that's just creating more emotional distress in the body. Yeah, I look, I completely agree. When you 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 said um, a mental muscle, it really does become you need to create a habit around that self-love. And it's not just a physical or emotional or mental. It's just a combination of everything put together. And and, and you know, I think I think it uh, I think if someone wanted to like generalize, a lot of people will take these thoughts and um and sort of uh, say, oh, you're telling me you can get cancer from not feel, you know, you know, from sweeping some of your trauma under the rug. And we have a hard time in the Western world understanding how spiritually driven we really are. And it doesn't mean that like bad people get disease. It means that y- y- we have to deburden ourselves from the things that we can and shine light right. in the dark places in ways that we can. So where where have you come from your journey, 2018 on Love Is Blind, with that self love? Um, and as far as how you react to maybe the internet's judgment or feeling mischaracterized, how do you deal with that and cope with that? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say like when our show aired and again, you know, as the wedding episode started airing, I was like, oh my gosh. And I, I was getting the hateful comments and everything. And if I decided to like read any of them, cause I was, I mean, I saw a few and then I was like, nope, I'm like dissociating from my social media right now. Um, but in that event, I mean, I would respond with like, choose kindness. Literally, that's how I would respond to like most of them. Granted, yeah. Does it affect you? Sure. I'm a human, right? And does it trigger me? Like, I mean, literally just on TikTok yesterday, um, someone like wrote something like, you know, you signed up for this. And I had to, I just had to respond. And I was like, and I even put it on the TikTok, like I'm triggered. So I just was like, yeah, we signed up for like, the producers to interrogate us about our past traumas, about sexual abuse and physical abuse and parents, you know, passing or abortions, things like that. Yeah, we signed up for that. Yeah, sure. We did. We signed up for the three hours of sleep that we got for 10 nights in a row. No, it's not put in the contract, any of that. You know, we don't know what we're signing up for. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes like I want to stand up for myself and speak my mind, but I want to definitely try before I post things usually or respond to a comment or a message, I usually am like, okay, Kelly, like you're so about like practicing, like practice what you preach, you know, kind of thing. So it's like, if I do say something and I'm triggered, I'm like, all right, Kelly, is this really like, are you doing the same thing you're telling this person not to do basically? (laughs) So I do check myself, but again, yesterday I didn't, you know, it was fine. I wasn't being ugly or anything like that, but Sometimes you just got, you got to just like speak your mind. And yeah. That's okay. I say it's like you got to crack an egg to make an omelet. Sometimes you have to call someone out to let the rest of the class know you mean business. But right. it does seem like a never ending supply of judgment. And I only know this because, like I said, I wasn't on a reality show and I get it as just someone who, you know, 
consumes the reality and talks about it. So I can't imagine. I mean, I I was on vacation and people were questioning if whether or not I was going to write the vacation off on my taxes. And I was like, what's wrong with people? What do we, I didn't realize my audience was the IRS here, you know, but like, boy, they, they, uh, that was a new one for me. I was like, oh, wow. I'm literally having a, a tax fraud issue in the comment section here. But yeah, oh God. that it in, it, in, in, I always do, I do believe we are only given as much as we can handle. And I wonder, like, wow, am I supposed to be practicing more compassion and love for the people that don't get what I do? And, right. and you're out there uh, doing something which is very brave, which is speaking about your trauma, your past, and where you go moving forward. And some people, they just aren't going to get that. But so many people do. Can you highlight any positive, um, you know, moments that you've had from uh, having your podcast and in being a self-love coach and all these conversations? Like, well, like what's what's been the highlight of, of it all um, following your journey on the show? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I would say my my audience, my following um, they're great. I feel like I have created a very strong community. It, it is interesting because yes, I have a really large following from the show, but my engaged followers, they're there for me. They're not there for the show, you know? So whenever I do post things about love is blind, obviously it gets super high engagement, of course, but it's like probably 80% of those people don't actually follow me on a regular basis. So the ones that do, you know, they just send me the sweetest messages or like, you know, we have conversations in the DMs there, you know, I'll, I'll share one of those vulnerable stories. And they're like, Oh my God, thank you so much for sharing this. Like I'm going through this too. Or, you know, it's kind of like the me too movement, <laughs> like in a sense, like it, it really has created a really strong community and just such great impact. And as far as like the coaching aspect goes, you know, I've worked with a handful of girls that, you know, they found, they discovered me because of the show and some have you know, started their own businesses after working with me and generating money where they're actually also not just changing their life, but they're creating impact for other people's lives too. So it's, it's really neat to witness that ripple effect. Um, another, a couple of girls that I worked with, they've, they're, they've gotten engaged, you know? So it's just like, wow, like the, the amount of impact that when you're so authentic and you're so in, you know, who you are and you show up and you share those vulnerable stories, you really can change the way people, you know, show up in this world too. That's neat. Yeah. I, um, you know, it was interesting to find out that you got cast on Love is Blind because of a previous audition for Married at First Sight. Looking back uh, 10 years ago, could you ever have imagined your life would go down this path? (laughs) No, (laughs) no, because it's so funny. I mean, I'm not even like, I would rather watch a drama series on TV, you know, like actors and actresses versus reality TV. So I, I mean, I probably watched all of Caitlin Brissot's season. I don't even remember why. I think I watched all of hers and then the Becca crew friends season, just cause I like fell in love with Blake and Jason Tartik. I mean, that was it, you know, but like, otherwise, like I'm not an avid bachelor watcher. I'm not an avid amazing race. Like I, there are so many reality shows I've never even seen. I've never even heard of. Um, so, you know, it's funny though. It was like love is blind. Even this last season that came out, we're up to season four now. And I was like, I don't even care. Like, I don't care to watch it. It's so, you know, it's, I understand how it's produced and edited and whatnot. And, but then it was like the wedding week. And I was like, maybe I do want to know like what's going on. So I like four nights in a row, just like stayed up till midnight, like binging the whole season up until the weddings. And I was like, 
okay, I actually connected with a with a couple of the people from there, you know, I, you know, as an audience member, and it was neat in that regard, just like seeing their journey. So I don't know, but I still prefer my, my, uh, you know, non reality TV shows. <laughs> so w- when you when you watch it as an audience member, do you respond casually to the villain edits or do you realize that people are hungry or or don't have much sleep and also do you think the show could exist um if they did give the people better um you know resources mental health resources and better night's sleeps like do you think a lot of that villain edit is triggered from the sort of hostile situation they're put under i want to say a combination um yeah, I would say a combination. I mean, granted, yeah, I do believe that we should not be, you know, deprived sleep and we should have mental health resources available for us for sure. Um, and with that said, I I don't know. Yeah, I want to say it's a combination because I think some of the, um, you know, maybe conversations that people had was because of lack of sleep and just high stress and they're, you know, they're, they're anxious because again, the, um, the producers are asking you questions and they're probing you. And I know it's just their job while also it's, you know, maybe this is the first time you've talked about these past, you know, experiences, these past lived experiences, and they could be, you know, traumatic or tragic type of uh, experiences that someone went through. So, and again, like, and that was it. That was one of the things for me. I was talking for maybe one of the first times or yeah, one of the first times about a trauma that had happened to me years ago, and therefore it was bringing up so much stuff. I mean, I cried in every interview. Every time that they had me like do a one-on-one, I cried about something. Wow. And I was I was just going through a lot. So, granted, I mean, I feel like my edit was was fine, and they didn't do like a bad, you know, they didn't give me a bad edit. Really, um, it could have obviously been a lot worse. But like, and some of those times, like the things that I was sharing openly to just the production team on those one-on-ones. I was like, shit, are they going to air that? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I think it's a combination though of, of both of that. Yeah. And I've sure. always wondered with the, with, because most contestants say they're sleep deprived, which, you know, can lead to a real different response emotionally. How are they, how are you sleep deprived? Do they just tell you when you can go to bed? Are the beds in a separate set from the rest of the studio? How does that all work? Yeah. Yeah. So yes, we slept at a hotel. Um, they did have, they did have a sleeping like arrangement for us. Um, that was just like right outside the set, you know, from where the pods were, but it was not conducive for 15 girls to sleep in. Um, so they put us up in a hotel, which was so much better, but it was like, I want to say it was like a 30 minute drive from where we were. Um, or, or it was just so late. I, it felt like 30 minutes. I don't know, but it felt like a while that we were in there, but sometimes like, you know, if we're doing, if we did the pods for eight days in a row, I would say half of that, or maybe even five of the eight days we were filming until like one o'clock in the morning, one thirty in the morning. And we had to be back at, on set at 8am. So there's already six and a half, seven hours right there. Well, we have to, the drive time to, and from the hotel, the getting ready for bed, getting up, doing our hair and makeup. So now it's just like decreasing time. So there were nights when we probably went to sleep at two and we're up at five to like shower and stuff. And I would just remember, I was like, Oh my, like, I'm so tired. So tired. Like this is the last thing I want to do, you know, but there was like, I was, I was one that was not 
indulging in the alcohol as like, I may have had like a drink a day or something like that. Whereas some of the girls were drinking heavily. Um, so add the alcohol, add the lack of sleep, add the probing uh, of questions that bring up all the shit from people. It's like, okay, that is like a recipe for a panic attack. Yeah. Recipe. Yeah, yeah, and you know, some people they 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 might be nervous to talk. You seem so like emotionally open and and willing to have these conversations, but I feel like a lot of people will mask or need alcohol to even open up, and then that leads, like you said, uh, just a recipe for uh, what could become very problematic and just not healthy long term. Especially knowing the show is going to use whatever you say uh, it, to their maximum benefit. If it benefits them yeah. to make you look like a good character, that's great. And if it doesn't, then you know, then it doesn't. But um, overall, I think you've said this before in past interviews. But you, you know, your life trajectory has changed from going on the show. But uh, any regrets? No, no, I th literally, there are no regrets. I mean, I'm so grateful that, um, I said yes to, to doing this opportunity. Um, I still thank the casting director all the time. <laughs> I'm still in contact with her. Um, because I, I honestly, uh, got cold feet and almost bowed out like a week before I was supposed to start filming. So she was like hunting me down and I'm like, she's like, get on the phone with me and let's talk this out. And I was like, okay, so I did. And she was like, what's going on? And I was like, well, I just have like a really good reputation here in Atlanta. I was like, I'm a health coach. I'm just like really big and in love and like, just, I'm just a happy, good, go look, go lucky person. I was like, I just like, don't want anything to ruin my reputation. She's like, probably we're not trying to ruin anyone's reputation. It's, you know, we're, we're doing a, an experiment. Like that's it. Everyone that's going on the show is just like you, you know, there's no like paid actors or anything like that. And I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> So she eased my mind and everything. And, you know, granted, I'm sure she didn't really realize, you know, how the edits would turn out either. She's, you know, just in the casting part. But regardless, I have no regrets. Um, everything made me, you know, who I am today. And, you know, any hardships, challenges, the rejection, anything like that. Um, like I said, I, I worked through that and it became a beautiful part of my life. So... No regrets. And, I do it again. I don't want to walk down an aisle again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to really encourage everyone to go check out your social media, Instagram, and where can people find um, your podcast? Yeah, so they can find it anywhere that streams podcasts. So Apple, Spotify, um, and then any like Google podcast. Um, so it's Chase Life with Kelly. Um, and they can actually watch it also on YouTube. It's the Chase Life with Kelly show on YouTube. Amazing. And thanks again for taking the time to come chat with us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right. Always exciting to talk to alumni from different reality shows and get their perspective on life. And boy, Kelly Chase really is a sweetheart. She's got such a kind and warm uh, uh, disposition. Is that, the, is that the way to put it? She just seems like she's uh, got a good aura. I would enjoy being on a boat with her. That's what I, that's what I kind of boil it down to. Would I enjoy your company in the open waters? <laughs> and not everyone gets that, uh, gets that award, the Dave Neal Open Water Award. Okay, folks. Well, that's going to do it for me on a Friday. I'm uh, Boy, my allergies really hit me. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm stuffed and congested over here. But I hope everyone has an excellent weekend. And we're going to have a lot of content next week. It's going to be picking up. There's a lot of things in the works. Uh, I teased it on today's Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Neal, which Bachelor Nation couple has actually broken up. And I don't have tangible proof of this, but I have been told from inner circles that there is a Bachelor Nation couple that a lot of people love 
that are no longer together or at the very least on the rocks and on the way out and it has not been announced publicly but i will share with you on today's patreon patreon.com slash dave neal who that couple is and um it's a sad one but hey we all learn from relationships and move on and uh that's what they're there for right to teach us a little bit about ourselves uh and i hope we learned a lot about ourselves today thank you so much for being a loyal member of the community a power listener uh and we'll see you next week i've been dave neal this was bachelor rush hour 